somebody had a gold frog, he would have to tell how he got it. Sand Creek wasn't very much as western towns went, a disgrace of twisted boards, cracked adobe, and dried ruts. Mark Jardine pulled up before the store and saloon, G. Gilweiler, proprietor. Gilweiler himself was sitting on the porch, a sawed-off scattergun riding in a cold holster at his side. "'Howdy,' said Mark. "'Where do I find law and order?' G. Gilweiler looked up and down the street in surprise. Here, he said in amazement. Why? There are two dead men inside, said Mark. Well, why didn't you just bury them, said Gilweiler. No sense in hauling dead men around, not in this heat. Mister, said Mark, if you can tell me where to find Ben Comedy, I'll be happy to turn this whole shebang over. Well, well, said a deep voice. Mark whirled to find they had been joined by a big, well-groomed man on a huge white horse. And when he would have answered, the man gave him a quick, sly wink and took hold of the bridle of the lead horse. Mark picked up the reins, and the big fellow assisting rolled the coach on down the street and out of town. As soon as the town had vanished, the big man drew up. "'I'm very obliged, sir,' said the big man, dismounting and climbing to the box. He appeared to be waiting for Mark to leave. "'You mean,' said Mark, "'that my company is no longer desired. "'There are some trunks back there with the other baggage, "'and as they belong to some lady,' the big man frowned. "'So you snooped, eh?' "'Sir,' said Mark with sudden hotness, "'I do not know you, but I am Mark Jardine, "'and while the name means nothing to you, "'I will thank you to remember your manners. "'If we can't agree on this, "'there's a sandy stretch there on the creek bed "'that will serve just fine as a pistol course.' "'Shades of New Orleans,' said the big man. "'You're no Texan. "'I'm from Kentucky, sir. "'For the past several years I have been in Texas.' "'The big man was off guard for an instant. "'I've other things to do than fight duels, young man. "'If the word snoop riled you, I'm sorry for it. "'What is a Kentucky gentleman doing in Arizona?' "'Thanking you for your apology,' said Mark. "'My father and two brothers were killed in the war.' I have an uncle working for Ben Comedy. The big man rumbled assent. Mr. Jardine, I know your uncle, and I will take pleasure in sending him back to see you. The whip cracked and the Concord rumbled forward along the trail through the water and up the far banks. Mark was conscious of fatigue now that he was at journey's end. His uncle would ride this way when he came, and there was no reason to go further. Mark found a grassy plot. He awoke as though it had been seconds, though the sun said it had been hours. He lay still, not knowing what had startled him. Then the voices came hoarsely from downstream. "'Up she goes. There's a daisy. Now just sit quiet, my fine friend, and we'll make this regular and as painless as possible.' Mark came to his feet and stepped out to the ford. There were six riders clustered around the big cottonwood on this side of the water, and they were preparing to send a man on a long journey with indefinite destination." The fellow was a Spaniard. His face, too pretty for a man's, was reposed. A trickle of blood from a blow in his mouth came down to stain his bolero. He was very slight, weighing no more, probably, than a hundred and ten pounds. But there was something about him which spoke a quality higher than that of the loud men who were about to put an end to him. Mark walked forward. "'What's he done?' said Mark. A man with a whiskey-bloated face turned and gaped. "'Who's this, Porky?' said a second rider. The first one looked blank. "'I don't know, Jack, but he looks suspicious.' 
fine tolerance came over Porky's bloated visage. Well, I don't feel ambitious today. We won't hang too. Beat it, Pilgrim. I beg pardon, said Mark. I don't think I heard any of your conversation. However, if you'd care to state politely what this man's done, I might pay some attention. There was a chilly silence. Porky was a bully boy and proud of it. He weighed 250, and he could hold more liquor at another's expense, shoot more men from adequate ambush, and beat up more men being held for him than anyone else in this part of the West. He was Ben Carmody's special executioner-in-chief. "'Did I hear you right?' said Porky. "'If you didn't, I may as well make myself clear. "'Please tell me what this man has done. "'Why, he stole cows and harbored criminals and ridden with Apaches.' "'The victim spoke for the first time. "'I am innocent, senor,' he said to Mark. "'Untie him,' said Mark. "'Porky was astounded. "'Then he grabbed at his gun. "'Mark's right gun crashed, "'and Porky's horse reared with a scream, "'falling backward dead with a shot between the eyes. "'Porky had jerked the rein in time to intercept the bullet. "'He leaped away from his saddle as the horse fell. "'There was a rush of motion behind Mark. "'A horse struck him and hurled him to the gravel, "'knocking him nearly senseless. "'The two riders swung out of their saddles "'and began to secure him with tie ropes. "'Wow,' said Porky, dusting himself off. "'That's two we hang today.' chilly voice from the bank said, "'Well, you're drawed on, Porky. Keep your greasy paws free of the iron, or we'll just execute the six for good measure.' Mark saw the three riders had stopped on the rise above them. His uncle was in the lead. "'Wouldn't you know I'd find you in trouble,' said Tom. "'Wes, this is my hot-headed young nephew, Mark. Mark, this is Wesley Harmon here, range boss of Big Grass.' West courteously removed his gauntlet and leaned out of his saddle to shake hands. Glad to meet you, Mark. Your uncle calling somebody else hot-headed is pretty pot and kettle. Mark grinned. He liked the Texan instantly. Tom said, Son, how do you feel about working for old man Carmody? Hold off now, said Mark. I don't know that I care to work for a man I've never seen. Yes, you have, said Tom Jardine. He gave me the message you gave him. Mark blinked. Great big man on a white stallion? That's Ben Carmody, said Tom. But working in the same crew with this Porky, began Mark. West said, Porky is Carmody's lawman. There's three sides to the Carmody organization. There's first the range crews and foremen and trailmen. Then there's the vaqueros, which is mostly mechs and don't count. Then there's Carmody and his crumbs. There don't none of us mix, so the job I'm offering you is trail boss, ninety a month, ammunition, and horses. The following morning, Mark inspected his string. General Lee, as his own special war horse, could fatten on grass. He would ride Carmody stock, and for his selection, the horse wrangler had cut out thirty head. Mark was trying to decide on a bay when he saw a beautiful mare in the herd that he had not before seen. I'll take that mare. Mark told the wrangler and cast his thirty-foot rope true about the neck of the Arabian. Sir, came a voice behind him, how dare you? Mark whipped around and started. It had been a long, long time since he had heard a woman. And there she was, a delicate, slender girl with hair like an aura of gold, a face like a Madonna. But it was a very angry Madonna. Let go that horse this instant, she cried. You, you bungler! Mark dropped his rope. The mare put all four on earth. 
thrust her ears forward, and with a welcoming nicker trotted quickly to the girl. There is no telling what he might have done to the wrangler if he had not seen across the corral Ben Carmody. Jardine, called Carmody, come over here. Mark let the wrangler off with a glare and came up to Carmody. He touched his hat in an indifferent salute. Been fighting any duels this morning, said Carmody. Mark flushed. It was unfair of you not to give me your name, sir. If you will recall, I gave you mine. I'm Big Ben Carmody put out his hand. No hard feelings. They passed through the big gardens and paused by that wonder of the West, the fountain, fed by artesian water, built by the Don who had owned this vast country before the coming of the gringos. The only thing I know about Southerners, said Carmody, is that there are gentlemen amongst them, and that gentlemen often have honor. Without knowing where this was leading, but sure that the circumlocution would arrive at no good for himself, Mark held peace. They entered into the room. A bulk leaped out of a chair. Porky Slavin stopped and gasped. "'Slavins,' said Carmody, "'I'd like you to meet Mr. Jardine from Kentucky and Texas. Mr. Jardine—' But Porky was having none of it. He brushed past the bloated face, purple with anger, and slammed the door behind him. "'Well, well,' said Carmody, chuckling. "'Seemed upset.' Mark found himself in a big room trimmed with Indian silverwork and blankets. One wall of the room was covered with a map of the southwest. Over this way is R.G. Ranch, and this is what I wanted to speak to you about, Mr. Jardine. Leversham is English. He has nearly as much power in the territory as I do, and he isn't friendly. I have a job for you, Mr. Jardine. They tell me they've hired you as a trail boss. Well, that's good enough for me. I never question Wes about cattle affairs, but I have a rather...